Good morning and welcome to Experience Life Church. Thank you for joining in. You know, I like to minister the Word of God. I like to bring good news. I like to encourage people. I like to talk about the goodness of God. And Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, the Lily of the Valley, the bright and the morning star, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Jesus that I know, He's faster than the lightning, He's louder than the thunder. He's wider than the Atlantic, He's deeper than the Pacific. He's higher than the highest mountain, and He's lower than the lowest valley. I want to talk about that Jesus today, and I want to talk about the life that overflows with the goodness of God. But before I get into the message, I just want to thank you for joining us, you that's joining us locally, that's a part of our church body, you that's watching us maybe in another state, another country, for you from Canada, thank you for joining in. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will minister in a special way. I'm so glad to have David Carpenter with me today. You can hear his lovely music in the background. We can't put him on camera today for him to sing with us because we're very limited, and I'll tell you why we're limited uh, with just one camera. We can't do what we normally do. As you know, there was a great cold, cold weather system that came through Texas. We'd never experienced anything like this before, and it was so cold it dropped two below or three, some places three below zero. Well, our power systems could not handle that, and there was snow, and the windmills froze up, and snow was on all of the uh, things that produced the power. I forget what they call these things, that, um, the solar powers the solar panels, they were closed, covered with snow. Anyway, it caused power outages that were unbelievable. Well, in our ministry center, it was one of those that was affected by the power outage, and for several days we had no power. It caused the, it caused the pipes to freeze, and so when the water came back on, we didn't know when the power came back on, or when the power came back on, the pipes were froze, but as the heat began to warm up the building, the pipes that were frozen began to thaw out and water ran for hours before we knew that anything had happened. And it has totally done incredible, I mean, I can't even tell you the damage that is done. We've had people in there for days now, tearing out sheetrock, tearing out carpets and getting the water out and huge machines getting the water out. It has just been very devastating for us so that we cannot have church in our ministry center. And we don't know exactly how long it will be before we may get back because it's 
got to be re redone. We don't even know how much of our equipment is damaged uh, because it's all packed up and stored up. And I want to thank my staff. I want to start with Al Tennis. He's not a member of the staff. He's not a paid staff. His wife is on as one of our pastors. But he has taken charge and has overseen this whole project for me so that I don't have to be involved with it daily. Thank you, Al. And then I want to thank my son, David, for uh, the hours and hours and hours that he's worked. David Carpenter, he has worked hours and hours. My grandson, TJ, has worked hours and hours. And Carol, uh, Carol, we thank you. She's not on staff, but she's a part of our church, and she just worked hours and hours. And Pastor Jan, for all that you've done. You know, it's it, it was... It, it, I can't even tell you how grateful I am. And my wife, Pastor Sharon, she worked and worked and worked. I vacuum in vacuum water. I don't know if it did any good or not, but for hours. But anyway, this is where we are. And so we're believing God to give us favor with contractors and uh, insurance company and everything so we can get repaired. I know, I know it's some things we're going to have to pay on our own, but... God is good and he will supply the need. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for everyone that is tuned in today. And I pray, Lord, that you will anoint me to speak words of life, words of wisdom, words of power from your word that will encourage, that will strengthen, that will increase people's faith, that they will become stronger in their walk with you. And whatever their needs are, you will supply their needs as we meet together today. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing upon them. I just ask that it just, it just rains down. It just pours down. Let your goodness flow, Lord. Let your goodness flow. Thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now let me go back to something and then I'm gonna get into the message. Our building's almost gutted now. Sheetrock has been cut off from the floor to two foot. I hope you can understand what I'm saying. And all the carpets has been room, moved out and our equipment has been moved from room to room. But this coming Sunday, this coming Sunday, we're planning to we're planning to try to have a limited service. Oh, we'll have no carpet. We'll have bare walls. And we won't have worship. We will have worship, but you won't, in the audience, you won't be able to hear the worship because we don't have enough equipment to make that happen. But we're planning so our church members can come back to church. This will make four Sundays that we've been out of service. And we don't know how long it will be before we'll be able to come back full force with all of our cameras and all of the worship that we do normally. But anyway, you pray for us that God will give us favor in all of this, that it can come together quicker than we anticipate because right now it looks like it could be a couple of months or more because things are not moving fast because there's absolutely millions of people that's in the same condition that we're in. Many businesses and many homes. I, I can't even tell you how bad this is. 
and it's worse than it was as far as when Hurricane Harvey came through Texas and did such damage there. But the, the, the money is in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. I don't know how much it is. But anyway, Texas was de declared a, um, a, a disaster state by, the, by our government. Uh, and so I, I don't know what all that means, but I'm sure it doesn't mean anything to us for what we can get or whatever we can do. But anyway, that's how bad it is. So you pray for us as we pray for you. Now, I want to speak to you a few minutes here about a life that overflows with the goodness of God. You know, we really need God, God's spirit. Man is, man is a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. So when your spirit is born again, you have God's anointing, God's power, God's love, God's ability on the inside of you. So the, the life that God plans for you is a life that overflows, that overflows with his goodness. Uh, and, in, and, and this life will break the barriers and the limitations that keep you from experiencing God's best. See, living a life that overflows gives you freedom from bondage such as some type of addiction from some type of lust or a desire for wrong things. Fear, phobias, strife, jealousy, anger, meanness, unforgiveness, worry, lack, poverty, and listen to this one now, selfishness and stinginess. See, that's what a life of overflowing with God's goodness will free you from, and you will overflow with God's goodness. See, a life that overflows begins on the foundation of love. In John 3, 16, God gave us the greatest example of His love by sending His only begotten Son so that we could have eternal life. And at the new birth, as I just mentioned, we're made alive with God's love. See, that doesn't come in your emotions. That doesn't come in your mind. God's love is you, you don't get your mind saved. That's a process that I'll talk to you about in a minute. But, but God's love comes into your spirit when you're born again. And now let me just tell you this way. Romans 5 and 5 says it this way. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. So there it is, scripturally, what I just said. When you're born again, not part of God's love, not just a little bit of God's love, but all of God's love is poured into your recreated spirit. You're made alive in Him. And you now have the ability to live a life that overflows, but you can choose to live from God's love and God's life and overflow or you can live from your emotions and your feelings and let them lead you through life. Some people say, I just can't live like that, Pastor. 
I'm made up different. I just can't forgive people who do me wrong. And when someone insults me, uh, or they hurt me, or they do me wrong, I'm going to get even. I'm going to show them they can't do that. You may have grown up, see, a person that makes a statement like that and says they're a Christian may have grown up in an environment of a lot of chaos, confusion, dysfunction, arguing, um, you know, where people just, just are naturally mean, but yet they said they prayed the prayer of salvation. Well, see, if you, if you have this image in your mind after you're born again, instead of living the life from your spirit, you're going to live out of the image that you have in your subconscious mind of how you were brought up and what you saw. But I want to tell you something. You can change your behavior. You can change your behavior. Somebody said, no, this is just the way I am. I hear this all the time. No, no, no. That's the way you choose to be. But you've got to want to change your behavior. See, you won't change your behavior unless you want to change your behavior. You can be nice instead of irritable and miserable to others. Now, if you've come up in this environment or even if you have it, it's a learning process. It's not an overnight change. And I want to say again, God's love is on the inside of you and His love is a byproduct or self gives you self-control and self-control is a byproduct of love. Somebody said, well, I just can't, I, I just lose it when something happens. When I, I just can't contain myself. I just said, it's a learning process to let that love flow through you instead of reacting from your sub, subconscious mind of your past. Once your mind, once your spirit is made alive unto God, it's up to you to grow into a life that overflows. Now, I read part of this scripture last week, <clears throat> and it bears me reading, it uh, bears repe uh, repeating. Uh, I didn't read verse 17, but I'm going to read verse 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. And it said, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Oh, what a scripture. So much is uncertain in the world. So much is uncertain in our families. So much is uncertain in the, uh, the economy. But God said in his word, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants us, he wants you to enjoy life in spite of all the circumstances that you have around you. And then he said, he said in uh, the verse 18 in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, command them to do good. Command, I, I, the word of God says for you to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Every born again believer, if you could comprehend the scripture I just read, it says that you can be rich in good deeds. 
to be generous and willing to share. You know, I know a lot of Christians, and I say this compassionately, that are very stingy. They don't tithe, they don't give, they don't help other people. But you see, God says in His Word to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And then He said, in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. One day, one day, that trumpet's going to sound. We that are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet Him in the air. But of course the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first and then we that alive and remain will be caught up. I can just see it in the Spirit, just millions of people in a twinkling of an eye. The dead, the graves bursting open, the seas opening up where, where people have, uh, soldiers have died and plane crashes have been in the sea. I can just see those people rising up. God giving them their new bodies. What a day, what a day. <laughs> oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face. Oh, what a day, what a day that will be. But see, when we let that life in us, we are laying a foundation for that life. See, the scripture says, don't put your, your faith in money. Don't put your faith in things which is uncertain things come and go wealth come and go you can be rich today and destitute tomorrow see things constantly change around us people change they they are here today and gone tomorrow and see learn to put your hope in God who richly provides you with everything for your enjoyment. You know, some people think, well, I get married, I'll be happy. No, that doesn't mean that. If I can have children, I'll be happy. No, that doesn't mean that. It all comes through knowing Jesus and living in Jesus. When you know Him and live Him, He'll give you that life that overflows. See. God has richly provided everything for your enjoyment. Sure, bad things happen. I just told you about what the bad happened to our ministry center. People do us wrong. People walk away from long-term relationships. And it's sad, it's hurtful when people we love just walk away. That happens. Your children or your spouse disappoints you. And when you experience Experience and scheduled events, sometimes you may, it may be so shocking, so quick, that it's like it just knocks the breath out of you for a few minutes. But you see, if you've got your eyes focused on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that life will flow out of you and help you to deal with what happened to you. I didn't say it's going to be easy to do this, but you have to determine that you're going to focus what you're going to focus on when bad and disappointments happen. You know, I've been talking about our, our ministry center and everything, and 
I was preparing this message for today and and I got a phone call from well from Al and, and he said and you know they were moving stuff they were not supposed to be moving they was doing stuff they were not supposed to be doing we told them don't touch this well he said well I don't want to give you bad news but I was right in the middle and a lot of times I won't answer my phone but I saw who it was from and so I answered the phone and he said pastor they just moved some stuff and broke some very expensive items well this was not good news this was not good news but I had to determine what I was going to focus on was I going to focus on what happened when he told me this and think about oh my goodness what are we going to do I had to defer, determine whether I was going to let this, unjoy, this unscheduled event keep me from enjoying my study time. I mean, I was right in the middle of this message. I was just, oh, I was just, I, I can't even tell you. I was just so wrapped up in trying to get my fingers typing quick enough because the Spirit of the Lord was rising up. But when I got that phone call about expensive equipment, we, we had told the words, don't move this. They didn't listen. So I could have focused on that and not enjoyed it. But you know what? I just said, Jesus, that's just stuff. I'm going to focus on you. This is too good. I'm going to stay in the spirit. I'm going to stay in love. I'm going I'm to stay in peace. I'm going to stay in joy. And see, God had already given me the love, the ability, and the power, and that's what I'm telling you, to handle what I was told. So I could have been upset, I could have been angry, I could have spent the rest of the day griping and complaining and gone down and chewed somebody out. Uh, but you know, I just took self-control. I let self-control, which I said a minute ago, is a byproduct of God's love. I let self-control come on the inside of me and I had life flowing out of me instead of anger and frustration and fear and torment and my thoughts all tormented I just had peace and went right back to study see it's important what you focus on if you want the overflow in life you got to determine what you're going to focus on now let me say this to me you can know or see something but you don't have to focus on it and there's a difference in seeing and focusing. Seeing is the act of a person who sees. Focus means to bring to a focus or into focus, to concentrate, to focus on one's thoughts, to direct one's attention to efforts. So what do you focus on most? The problem or the promise? What you focus on it's what you act on. And say it again. Seeing something is different than focusing. You know, I, I have a wonderful friend. He doesn't live here in, in Dallas now, but we used to ride down the freeways here in Dallas and we got plenty of them. And the big signs was there and he was very artistic and always could see things that maybe I, I didn't see. And I remember we were riding down one of the big freeways here one day in town here in Dallas and he said oh my god oh my god Don did you see that did you see that I said did I say what 
He said, that sign back there. Well, I saw the sign, but he focused. He saw it and he focused and he began to think about it. He said, I'm going to get off the next exit and go back. Well, he was focused on that. And it was a great thing, but <laughs> I just saw it. I didn't focus on it. See, what are you focusing on? And we, we drove down the, the freeway, saw it again. He talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. We went in and had lunch. And all, the whole time we were t at lunch, he was talking about what was on that sign. I mean, it was a good thing. So I want to say to you, what are you focusing on right now? What are you focusing on? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? See, left life that overflows has good thoughts. You are merciful. You are kind. You're good-hearted. You're compassionate. You're rich in deeds, generous and willing to share. Oh, God is so good. God is so good. And when we're living the God kind of life that overflows, when you live in the God kind of life that overflows, listen to me, you're good to others. Spouses, you're good to your spouse. Children, you're good to your parents. No matter what, if you've got the God kind of life that overflows, when people are bad, you're still good. You don't let their behavior change your behavior. You live the life that overflows. See, no matter what you're overflowing, no, or focusing on rather, just keep living from the goodness of God and let the goodness of God just flow out of you and let it flow out to others. Don't just focus on your problem. Focus on God's ability on the inside of you. I love the song. I love that song, God is so good. I love that song, God is so good. Mm. God, you're so good. <laughs> oh, God is so good. Now I can't sing. God, you're so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. God is so good. Oh, yes. God is so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. <laughs> oh, I can't sing, but I'm telling you. I was just focusing on the goodness of God. I was just focusing on the goodness of God as David was playing, trying to keep me on time. See, 
That song goes on in. Most people don't know it has other verses, but it says, listen to this. And it's talking about the life that overflows the goodness of God. It says, no height, depth can separate. Your steadfast love can escape. Your faithfulness, an endless sea. You're full of grace and mercy. And we sing, God is so good. He's so good to me. The next verse, haunted by the past no more. My answers have been restored. Forgiveness flows from your veins. Your kindness shown in all your ways. The next verse, oh, there's never been anyone like you. There's never been anyone like you. You are worthy. You are worthy. Never been anyone like you. You are worthy. And then the last verse and then the chorus. Oh, your hope is rising like the sun. The old is gone. The new has come. I fix my eyes on Christ alone. My rock, my shield, my cornerstone. God is so good. He's so good to me. God is so good. God is so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to so good to you. He's so good to you. You know, when I look around at the magnitude and the, the magnificence of God, I see God. You know, we used to live in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. That's where my wife's from. That's where we got married. We got married in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. And you know what? I've literally spent hours and hours and hours by the big horseshoe falls on the Canadian side, just standing there praying and meditating and watching that great phenomena, that great magnificence. I don't know how many feet it is, but it's, it's quite deep. And that water flows out of the Niagara River, it flows down and then it goes over those rocks and it goes way down deep and you can hear it. I just stood there many, many, many hours when we live there and then when we go back to visit, I'll just go and, I mean, I've seen it so many times, but it mesmerizes me every time I go and I just start praying in the Holy Ghost and worshiping God and thanking Him. And as I see that, unlimited amount of water flowing over those falls. I think about the unlimited power of God that overflows out of His people. I want to tell you, God's not small. He doesn't think small. 
And when you're overflowing with life, you're not thinking small. You're thinking God's kind of thoughts. You're thinking bigger and bigger. So don't let the things around you small your, cause your thinking to get smaller and smaller, cause it to get bigger and bigger. See, the word generous means abundance. So to be generous means God gives you abundance. You may not have it when you start being generous, but the more you give, the more generous you become, the more abundance you have. You give and it comes back. Luke 6:38. Give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And see the the verses just before that talk about forgiveness. Yeah. The verses just before that talk about forgiveness. So in other words, he went right on and he was talking about forgiveness as much as he was your generosity of how it brings a harvest. So he was saying, give forgiveness and forgiveness will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So I want, I want to say to you that the overflow in life, it's not without problems. Oh, all of us, we all have stuff we're working through right now. Every one of us. If you're not, you're fortunate. But I know most all of us are working through something. And John 10 and 10 says Jesus came to give us a life of abundance. And again, that word abundance also means generosity, which also means rich or strong in favor. You may not be rich financially, but you'll be rich in Jesus and have a generous life. And what's the antonym for generosity? What is it for generous? What's the antonym? It, it is... Stingy, mean, and selfishness. Let me say that again. What's the antonym for generous? Here it is. Stingy, mean, and selfish. Jesus was not stingy. Jesus was not mean. He was not selfish. He came to give. He gave us eternal life. He gave us everything. He wants to give you everything. See, I'm talking about when we're living with God, not some religious life, not some not some, uh, I'm struggling with a way to express myself right now. Not some just act of God or thinking about God, but really living with God. We decide that, that we're going to live with Him. Well, what happens? We become humble. We reject arrogance. We choose to good to do good and to live intentionally generous. 
And see, when, you're in gener when you are generous, you will lay up treasures so that you may take hold of that life, which is truly life. Now, I read this last week, but it bears repeating. And, and in this First Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter 19, it says, take hold of the life that is truly life. Take hold of that life that is truly life. Now, if you take hold of life that's truly life, that means you're taking hold of the God's life in the moments of despair the moments of disruption, the moments of pain. You're reaching down in the reservoir and you're holding on to that. And then when you hold on to that, God embraces you and gives you the strength and the courage to do the right thing. I want you to be determined to be generous. I am. I'm not trying to get an offering from you today. This is not what this is about. It's not about money. I mean, money can be a part of it. But I said to myself, as I was putting this together, I'm generous. I'm not mean. I'm not going to give in to small-mindedness. You know, just because our ministry is, center has been disrupted, I'm not going to say, well, it's just too much problem, I'm going to quit. I'm going to make it better by the help of you and my staff and, and David Carpenter's help, help, helping us with new designs. And we're just going to make it better for you. It's going to be better for us. And, and our, our environment and our ministry center, it's going to be better than it. what Satan meant for our harm. What Satan meant for our harm. The life that overflows is going to turn it out for our good. That can happen to you. I just said that. I just spoke to somebody right now. I just spoke to somebody right now. What happened to us in our ministry center was to try to discourage us and defeat us and get me to say, well, what's the use? But you know what? We have a design that we're going to make it better. And so what Satan meant for our harm, it's going to be turned out for our good. God's going to supply the need. You say, well, the insurance company's going to pay. Well, they'll, they, they're going to pay some. I know what they're going to pay some by. But you know what? Regardless, God is bigger. I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking of what it is now. I'm thinking of what it is. I'm focusing on God, moving on you and others to, to help us. You know, we need a piece of equipment. Somebody just gave us $1,200 on this piece of equipment. I'm believing that God's going to speak to others. We need $8,000 for this piece of equipment so that when we get back in our ministry center, we can broadcast much better. So I'm determined. I'm determined. I said this. I'm, going, I'm, I'm determined to be generous. I'm not mean. I'm not going to give in to small-mindedness. I'm, I'm not going to be stingy or selfish. See, stingy people are small-minded about God's ability to work. Stingy people... Most of the time are small-minded about God's ability to work, and He doesn't work for them because they're stingy. But I'm going to go to the extra mile, and I'm going to watch what God does. When you go the extra mile, whoo, glory to God. 
when you go the extra mile, whoo, oh, this is, God is so good. God is so good. David, let the right key. God is so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to that person right now. <laughs> God, you're good. You're so good, you're so good, you're so good, you're so good. I know God's ministering to somebody right now. I know God's ministering to somebody right now. You're so good to me. One more time. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so so good to that person right now who I, I can't sing it but I'm telling you the songs in me <laughs> see even though I may not have the ability and but the song is in me see I, I'm not a singer but the song is in me when you're overflowing with life, there's a song in you. There's a song in you. There's life in you. There's joy in you. There's peace in you. You're, you're not stingy. You're not selfish. You're generous. You want to spend time in prayer. You want to go to church where worship is. You may be like me, and, and I, I, I have to watch that I don't get people off key when David's leaving worship. But I love to worship. See, I've determined I'm going to do more. I'm going to expect more. Think of this. More seeds, more harvest. Love more equals better relationships. I said this last week, but it bears repeating. More kindness means more favor. More effort equals more rewards. Better attitude equals better results. See, I want to say it one more time. I know I said it last week, but I just had to stop and bring in a little bit of last week because as I got to thinking about the goodness of God, the anointing was so strong. I just had to go back and bring in a little part. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you weren't watching. But I want to say this. Learn to be intentionally generous. Sometimes I go out to eat and I'll see somebody all at once the Lord will just say, pay for this. I was in a grocery store not long ago. 
and this person in front of me, they were <clears throat> using all of their cards and none of them would work. And I was just standing there looking when they tried all their cards and none of them would work. And so the lady was going to pick up our stuff and take it back. I just looked at the cashier. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you. I don't even know the person ever sent them since. They just went and got in their car and left. I said, I'll pay for it. I don't remember how much it was, but I couldn't let that lady walk out without food. I wanted to do it. I didn't feel like I had to do it. See, listen to this. Listen to this. This is the Message Bible in Proverbs 11 and 24 and 25. Listen, listen. Watch this. Watch this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. You know why God always helps my wife and my family and me? And, and I want to say this, I'm so thrilled that my, my children are generous. All three of our children are, are tithers and givers and generous. And, you know, my son over in Tennessee and me, our wives kind of have to hold us back a little bit because we'll give everything away. But the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. So that's what I'm here for. See, I could have said when we had all of this problem, and you don't know what the problem we had before we set up today, because of damaged equipment and, and, and what goes on in the background. You'd have no idea. Again, I'm not complaining, just explaining. You have no idea what we had to go through not me personally, but the ones that's helping me here and my son David. And the trips he had to make back and forth trying to find something in the church because this part was broke and that part wouldn't work. And then we can't do it as, as well as we could do it because we don't have the parts to put together. But we're doing it anyway. Why? Because I'm not going to get smaller and smaller in my thinking. I'm believing what Satan has meant for our harm. I believe God's going to give us better equipment. I believe, oh, I believe God's going to give us more people coming into our, our worship center. More people watch us. More people come into the glory. The power is going to fall on them. The anointing is going to destroy the yokes. Your children are going to get saved. Your spouses are going to change. The glory of God's going to come down upon you and you're going to have a relationship with God and you're just going to be overflowing with the life of God everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, in the supermarkets, at your job, everywhere you go, you're going to be overflowing with the life of God. Wow. You know, people say, well, I just don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. I want to do something for God. I want to be generous. Well, it starts by sowing the seed. Now, it may be small. It may be small, small. But see, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 
and the world of the arrogant gets smaller and smaller. Anyway, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 now. This comes from the past passion, passion, the, the Passion Testament. And it says, 2 Peter 1 and 4, the Passion, the passion Testament. Having a hard time saying that. As revolts of this, he has given you magnificent, magnificent promises that are beyond all price. Whew. He's given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of the tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with his divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Now, I believe I've said that and read it clearly, but I want to go through it again. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corruption or the corrupt desires that are of the world. You and I, when we have that life of God in us and we live from the well of life, when we live from that well of life, it flows through our emotions. And instead of living emotionally, we live from that life. And the desires of the world are no longer present. Now, it doesn't mean we won't have temptations and things won't come and lust won't try to bear up and wrong desires. It doesn't mean that won't. But you won't give expression to them. See, you won't give expression to them. I understand people are tempted with a lot of different things. Being tempted, you know, being tempted is one thing, but not giving expression to the temptation is wonderful. And since I brought that up, my friend Ted Frozy wrote this beautiful book, Storytime in Heaven. Ted, I don't know if you're watching today or not, but it doesn't really matter. Thank you for writing this book. I was reading this morning, this is not a devotional book, but it's a, it's a wonderful book. And see, you decide what you're going to do when temptation comes. You decide whether you're going to let the overflow in life push away the temptation. Adam and Eve were in the garden. And I said last week, it was the garden. One translation says, it's the garden of pleasure. Well, the scripture says he gives us everything for our enjoyment. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to enjoy. You know, the things of the world gives you temporary joy, but there's consequences after you do those things. But God's enjoyment brings no, no consequences. It brings pleasure. But Ted was writing in his book, um, Storytime from Heaven, and he wrote this book, Looking Down from Heaven, Looking. And he was talking about Adam and Eve. And he said, the serpent let her the serpent led her into the greatest deception of all. He spoke doubt about the character of God. He cast doubt about the Father's intent in commanding them not to eat of it. He convinced them that it would be, they would be like God. 
Well, see, they were already like God. They were already like God. But here Satan came to Eve to tempt her to tell her she'd be like God when she was already like God, when Adam was already like God. They didn't know, they didn't know right from wrong. They had a garden of pleasure. They didn't, they didn't have all of this stuff you and I are going through. Knowing, he convinced them that they would be like God, knowing both good and evil, if, if they ate from the forbidden tree. Eve was convinced and deceived by the serpent's words. She was mesmerized by the new feeling that she would be experiencing. Eve looked away from the Father's love, from the Father's protecting command, embracing a lie. Eve gave her trust and allegiance to another. She looked at the poisonous fruit. It was beautiful to the eye. It promised new and exciting experiences. The fruit felt wonderful to touch in her hand. Her mouth began to water as she craved for what she never had. Eve desired its wicked promise, a promise that she would be like God. Eve had been seduced by a lion, allure of the moment. She then partook of the tree's life-destroying fruit. Instantly, the world changed. Peace fled. Turmoil invaded. Health fled as sickness, disease, and death invaded. Joy fled. Heartache and sadness invaded. Purity fled and shame and dis disgrace invaded. Faith fled as fear, doubt, and worry invaded. Adam's authority and dominion fled and an evil alien spirit invaded and took authority for himself. Him, him to you submit that is whose servant you are. I just read you from Ted Frosey's book, Storytime in Heaven, the account of Eve being tempted and how temptation looks but when you're living the overflow in life. When you're living the overflow in life, I know I'm lengthy here today, but oh, I'm telling you. Something is happening in the spirit. You know, we've had a lot of strange things going on in our politics and, and you know, so much, so much garbage and evil. But on my Tuesday nights, we've been talking about how we're believing for a great awakening. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just like a sponge. I just want you to experience what I'm experiencing. I want you to experience what I'm experiencing. 
Oh. See, some people think God's up there and I'm down here. So when I have to pray, I have to... If some people say, I, I feel like I'm praying against the brick wall. No, 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 no. So you're not, have, you don't have to go through the ceilings. Right now where I'm sitting, I have a ceiling here and there's a room on top of that. And then there's a ceiling and then there's a roof on top of that. And then there's the sky. I don't have to pray through this ceiling. I don't have to pray through that floor. I don't have to pray through the next ceiling. I don't have to pray through to the, through the roof into the sky and to way out there where God is. No. He can hear my thoughts. He knows my thoughts. He can hear a whisper. God can hear a whisper. He's not that far away, like I just said. He's in you. So you just whisper to him, I love you. I worship you. I love you. I worship you. See, if you don't understand this, you, 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 if you don't understand what I'm saying, ask God to give you the revelation that I just spoke about. Because when you're desperate, and you, you're going to feel like i got to get through all of this to get to God. No. He's in you. Just let him flow out of you. John 17, 23. He said, I'm in them and you in me. In order that they may come one and be perfectly unified. Now, I want to try. I want to try. For about the next five minutes. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm getting to the real juicy part of this message. Do you ever... Do you ever uh, get a watermelon and just cut the heart of that out. Boy, just eat it and that old juice. You know, I grew up in Tennessee and my uncles were farmers and you know, we did some things we shouldn't have done. But I remember my brothers and I and my cousins, we'd go out in my uncle's field and he had acres and acres of watermelon and when they were ripe we'd get those watermelons and we would throw them down and break them and we'd reach down in the heart with our dirty hands <laughs> which is kids we'd reach down with our dirty heart hands and get the heart of that watermelon and we'd just oh it was so juicy and that sweet juice was just running down all over us you know we'd go get another one and break it or if we got caught, we'd been in trouble, but boy, we enjoyed it. Well, I'm in the juicy part of the enjoyment, and I'm not doing anything wrong, and I'm not stealing any watermelons. You can experience divine partnership. You can take that heart that I just said from the watermelon. You can take the heart of God, and it's so juicy. The heart of God is so juicy. You and God are one. You're not separate. You are one. Think about this. Think about this. You have God's DNA inside of you. Ooh, whoa. You, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. You have God's DNA on the inside of you. You have God's DNA on the inside of you. You know, have you 
Have you ever noticed children that sometimes they're adopted, have never met their biological parents? But as they grow older, as they grow older, they're, they have actions. They do things even though they never knew or saw their biological parents. They do things that their parents does because they got that DNA in them. That DNA comes out even though they have loving, loving and wonderful parents, they still have the DNA from their birth parents. We have the DNA from our birth father. Our father birthed us. And we have his DNA in us. That DNA gives us the desire to live a God-inspired life. You're in this world, you in this world, and he in your world. So let me say it another word. He's in your world and you're in his world. We live in this world. Yes, we do. We live in this world. But we also are in his world and he's in our world. See, unfortunately, many people let the DNA lie dormant because they don't go to church, they don't hear the Word of God, they don't spend time with God and read the Word of God. You know what? The Lord just impressed me to stop. Now, I got some more. If you leave me, that's your, that's your, you're going to lose the benefit. You're going you're to lose what I've got right here from the Holy Ghost. But the Lord just said to me, right now is the time to receive an offering. Right now is the time to receive the offering. Some of you that are viewing with me right now, you may attend other churches and tithe there, that's okay. But have you ever thought about sending an offering to Experience Life Church? See, see, you got God's DNA in you and that life that overflows does good deeds. Well, why don't you sow a seed? You that's part of the church, you that are members of the church, you that I am your pastor, even though you live in another state and another country, you're a part of Experience Life Church. You send your tithe. That's going to be on the screen where you send your tithe to. Or if you want to mail it, you can mail it. I, I don't know. God just, just stopped me. God just stopped me here. You said, you mean God stopped you? Yep, yep. I, I, I was about to give you a very important point. I have it underlined here on my notes. But the Lord just dealt with me. See, some of you can help us. You know, our, our income has not been the same since we've not, since we've not in the building. And some of you, you watch me over and over again. Let the Spirit of the Lord, let the Spirit of generosity, the overflow in life, even if you have to make a sacrifice, even if you have to make a sacrifice, do what God's telling you to do. Now, I'm not asking you to give just because we have a need. You sow for your need. I'm, I'm asking you to sow from your need right now. I'm asking you, you know, this, this book right here, my wife, my wife put it up here right before we started the service today. And you know this book, I don't know how many copies out, but I probably, we, we've sold over a million copies. We've sold over, one, one church alone has purchased over 30,000 copies of this book, Spiritual Growth. But did you know I've given a half a million of them away?
Now that's not counting the million that we've, we've sold. But I've given a half, I've put them in prisons, I've put them all over. That's right. Uh, it's called spiritual growth. This book never gets old. It never gets old. But I've given over a half a million of these books away. Now I'm not trying to sell the book, I'm not trying to promote the book, I'm just saying that even though we've sold it and we got over a million out, I've given half a million away, not counting that. And did you know that was not cheap? That was not cheap? So God's saying to you, sow a seed. Why does God keep our ministry going? I'm 78 years old, I could be retiring on the beach, taking care of my beach ministry, but I'd rather be right here with you. I could be upset and bothered because our ministry center is, is almost destroyed inside. But I'm here today because I have that overflow in life and I want you to have the same. See, don't let the DNA lie dormant in you. God's life in you is generous and if you know who you are in Christ, you are naturally generous. If you live the God kind of life, you'll be humble. You were created to be like God. So don't hold on to excuses of saying, I just can't do that. Don't hold on to those excuses. You and I were created to be like God. In other words, we are capable to act like Him, think like Him, talk like Him, love like Him, be kind like Him, Live without fear, forgive like Him, believe like Him, give like Him. So the way you get started, you said, I just can't do that. Well, Romans 12 and 2, and I'm, I'm trying to bring this to a close. Don't be conformed to this age. Or don't be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adopted to external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the things which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. Let me read it to you in the in the Message Bible. Don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You know, it takes time to renew your mind. You don't ever get your conscious mind renewed. It's a constant thing. You just have to constantly do. When the devil tells you you can't give, you have to say, Satan, you're a liar. 
You know when the snow came here a few days ago and it was so cold, my son David and I and my wife had gone to the grocery store. He was in his four-wheel drive and he was taking us through the snow. Well, there was a gentleman that was stuck in the snow and everybody was just passing by him and trying to get around him and blowing horns at him and everything and he couldn't move. Well, my son David and I David started it. He was, it was he initiated it to go help the guy. Well, I got out of the truck and both of us went over and put our hands on the man's car and told him to get in the car. And he got in the car. We didn't know who the man was, but he was struggling. Nobody was helping him. David just jumped out of the truck. And so I, I went with him and we were all in the snow up to our ankles and we just pushed this man and help them get started again. Who do you need to push? Who do you need to help? Who do you need to help you? Let me tell you, I wanna pray with you right now. I wanna pray with you right now that you can learn to have this overflow in life. Father, I ask you to let these words become revelation to everyone that's watching right now. Everyone that's struggling or fighting or going through something on the inside. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that the struggle will stop. They'll realize they have your DNA. They'll realize they have your overflow in life in the spirit, in their recreative spirit, and they'll let it flow through. They've been worrying about their children's finances or whatever they've been worrying about. Help them to realize as I started, the overflow in life gives you victory over limitations and limited thinking. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, touch, heal, deliver and make whole. Everyone that is sending a prayer request that I can't see because I'm ministering, touch their hearts, touch their lives, bring unity in their home, unity in their families, unity in the ministries, unity in churches. Touch everyone right now and help them to have this overflow in life. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. We'll be back on Tuesday night. Same time at 7 o'clock. We'll be back Tuesday night. And then we're going to try our best to be in our facility. To have a skeleton type of service. The service will be good, but it'll be without. And it'll have bare walls, bare floors. and uh, We want to do it from there. And it won't be professional as it normally is as far as our video. And but we're going to do our best to have service there so we can have worship. You won't be a part of the worship, as I mentioned before. We're going to try our best to be there. Anyway, email us, write us, send us an offering, let us know if you appreciate God's goodness coming through this ministry. It's been a joy to be with you today.